It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And today, we are taking a step back. We have spent a considerable amount of time at this point talking about the 2024 campers. And we're going to go back to where it all began. Year one of Camp Dynasty, the 2023 rookie class, our first group of campers, Colin. They hold a very special place in our heart. And like we did last year with 2022, before Camp Dynasty even existed, we're going to be redrafting the 2023 draft class. Yeah, we absolutely are. We're going to get into, I mean, a really good class of, I mean, these players that, that we started out with, we kind of felt like there was something here. You know, we're like, hey, you know, you got Bijan and the guys. And then it ended up being like, as a collective, this class just turned out to be really good. And it'll be very interesting to see how things reordered themselves through a season and like how much our opinions changed on certain players. Like maybe our number two overall player had a big jump or a fall. Like, well, we'll see. He didn't have a big jump. See how far he <laughs> fell. I'll yeah. say that. Um, and how like different guys that had a big jump, how high did Puka end up getting? Because I know he was not where he is now at the beginning of last season. So yeah, here we go, yeah. baby. Alluding to a name like Puka. And that's kind of a theme for this class is like, it's a good class. We will, the, NFL season is officially over. We know everything we need to know about these players now, and it doesn't look like how we expected it. Like some classes, I think there's a little bit of shakeup, obviously, like it's not going to go exactly the way you thought. But when I was thinking about this one and putting together a little bit of a, a new big board here, it's pretty considerably different uh, in a lot of areas. So we're going to get into all that. And of course, because we have this entire history behind us of talking about this class pre-draft, breaking them down, and then talking about them through the season, we're going to get a chance to talk about what happened. Like, where did we have them? First of all, when the, you know, when our, we closed our season last year, where were they on the board? And where are they now and why? What it, what happened there? So we're going to get to dive in. There's no, you know, this is not this is not a victory lap pod. And in fact, you could argue there's going to be a lot more <laughs> of the other direction. But it's all about transparency here. So with that said, I flipped a virtual coin, Colin. And as the virtual coin typically does, it landed on tails. Tails and so fails. you have the number one pick. <laughs> well, I will, I'll keep this brief because I don't think it needs a whole lot of qualifying or anything like that. And I'm going to go, I'm going to take Bijan. So, I mean, maybe there's an argument to be had between a couple guys here, uh, but I just don't think so. Like Bijan was kind of hamstrung by a scheme. He was splitting carries with Tyler Algier. It was a thing all year. We don't – I mean, we probably will rehash it here because this is kind of where you rehash it. But 
Uh, new offensive team in the building, new coach. I mean, you get Raheem Morris in there. So it's going to be a completely different look. Now, hopefully they can find a quarterback to run the offense, but either way, who's ever handing it off to Bijan is at least he'll be on the field is basically where we're at at the end of the day. And he still had over a thousand all purpose yards, 970 on the ground, four and a half yards per carry. Um, so we'll see, uh, what the future holds, but I am, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah. The, I mean, there's, there's a balancing act here. It, this isn't just, you know, who had the best rookie season. Okay. They go number one there. There is an element here of like, we're only one year in, there's still an element of talent here that has to be weighed. And with a player like B. John Robinson, with the level of talent that he is, it's hard to go a different direction, even now at number one. Even with some players having, you know, great rookie years, and, you know, some we'll talk about shortly, but. I think you're spot on. I mean, Bijan is still my 101 here because he had a good rookie year. All things like considered and honestly like it's not even just a meme. Like in a in a not good situation either. <laughs> like he he was not on the field as much as he should have been. Um and he still found a way to to make, you know, his rookie season count with you know, over 1,300 all-purpose yards. And so it's hard not to be excited about the future here. Obviously, we know about, you know, Raheem Morris coming in and Zach Robinson is certainly not shying away from leaning into this thing. <laughs> like, I think he expects those questions to come and then they come and he says, yeah, we're we're going to get, we're going to get our good players touches. Like, don't worry about it. So we can expect a a better season, a, a season with more volume for Bijan next year. And that is certainly very exciting. Well, I don't know if there's much more that needs to be said about Bijan, but I think the number two pick is an interesting one. Yeah, it sure is. Cause, <laughs> um, I'm taking Puka Nakua. Oh my God. Hell yeah. I'm taking Puka Nakua second overall. Now, like I just said, like there's a balancing act here. Like this was not a player that was really on my radar. Like when I was dynasty rookie drafting last year, I have my board that I'm operating off of. Puka Nakua is not in my top 50 players. So you can say he was not on my board. (laughs) <laughs> on draft day last year. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the rise of Puka and there's many reasons for like, okay, this is kind of a perfect storm of situations. Like it's a player that had talent that had an injury history that affected him in the NFL draft pushes him into the fifth round in which he's matched up in a perfect situation. Like there's that video out there of Sean McVay and Les Snead talking about picking Puka and Sean's like, yeah, this is the guy. Like I need, I I have the, I have a perfect vision for him and how we're going to use him. And it's like, 
that is so atypical in the NFL draft, but like this was that one out of a thousand times where it's just like this fifth round guy who little to no one is talking about pre-draft and, and certainly with any sort of like gumption ends up coming into the NFL and setting rookie receiving records. And I'm respecting the the performance that we saw here. Like I'm vaulting him all the way from, you know, an undraftable dynasty rookie grade for me to the second overall pick. It is one of the craziest stories that I've seen in my time of playing dynasty and going through rookie drafts. I mean, you have risers, man, but you, you really never have guys like this. Uh, and, and especially the level of talent that Puka showed that he is during his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, so he was 46th on my board here. He was my wide receiver at 19. So that, that tells you where we were at. Uh, I think, you know, I was going back into our sleepers episode from last year just to see, like, what we said because I know we talked about him. And the most praise was, like, he could be in the Robert Woods role in this offense. And, like, the the guy was so much more than that. And to have him projected, like, as Robert Woods was kind of rich for yeah. <laughs> where he was kind of thought of. And then he ends up being one of the best wide receivers, one of the most productive wide receivers in football. And so – I mean, I can't blame you at all. He was basically some touchdowns away from being likely the number one overall. Like he he only had seven touchdowns, which is not a lot considering like what the top guys are doing. So uh it's it's bonkers that this guy basically walked into this Rams offense and like turned into what Cooper Cup was like before the triple crown year and just I mean, 1,600 yards out of a guy that was drafted in the compensatory pick is unheard of. And I'm worried that people are going to kind of chase this and like, oh, who's going to be the next guy? Like, who's going to be the next Puka Nakua? Like, nobody. Nobody's going to be the next Puka. That's the thing. Like, that's why this is so special. It's lightning in a bottle. So, I mean, like you said, the Rams had a vision. Uh, He fit the mold perfectly. Like, he's just a damn good player that works his ass off like on every single play regardless what he's asked to do and he had an incredible season to show for it so uh i was i was really excited to get Bijan and puka because i figured you go somebody else at two i'm a little pissed that you went with puka (laughs) he had to do it man and that's a great point honestly like about chasing a little bit of magic here in the following year. I like, this is going to spill over because I'm already seeing, and yep. and maybe this is a product of how deep this wide receiver class is because like in a lot of cases, like I'm, I'm almost 20 wide receivers in, in terms of film grades. And I'm, I'm still like, I have so many guys that are like day three or round three or above grades for me. So like, Wide receiver 17 in this class is a little bit different, I think, than wide receiver 19 in the last class. But, like, it, it's going to be different on NFL draft day, too. I think some of these names will fall. And then you're going to have people saying, like, well, you know, look out for this guy. Like, he's going to be this year's Puka Nakua. And 
that's going to be a thing that is very much like in the in yep. the zeitgeist this year and like you said it's just it's not something that you should ever expect like don't go chasing after this like don't expect that it's going to happen every single year like it's not it's absolutely not it's going to happen every once in a while think back to guys like Stefan Diggs sixth round draft pick you know this ends up happening like but Puka is still kind of on a different level right. than that even to, to walk into the league and to do it from year one is something entirely different. Yep. That's what I was just going to say. It's like as a rookie, just coming in and being dominant is insane. All right. So you expected me to go a different direction with this pick, which means that you're getting a player here that you didn't think you were going to get. And that is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, the counterpart, I would say, to this uh, running back class. He started out a little slow, and I think there was some a little bit of knee-jerk reactions to the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, 42 yards on the ground, 17 yards on the ground, first two games. And it was like, oh, it's over. You know, Dave Montgomery <laughs> is the guy here. And I, Isn't it crazy to think back to that yeah. point in time, like knowing what we know now? Yeah, just... I won't. I won't let you guys forget. Damn it, that you guys <laughs> did that. <laughs> so uh, Gibbs, I mean, ended up the the second half of the season playing great, and he had a thousand yards on the ground. Um, he ended up with I four hundred ten yards to the air. So that's. Another running back that had 1,400 total yards from scrimmage. Um, I mean, the guy is just explosive. Like, he's the perfect complement to Montgomery. What ended up happening late in the season is almost exactly what you would want them to do with these guys. Like, maybe you want Gibbs more if you have him. Like, ah, let him touch the ball more. But in all reality... Like if you have a, a player that's as good as Montgomery that can get do the dirty work and get the the short yardage stuff, and then you can let Jameer just get explosives, I feel like that's kind of the perfect storm for the NFL sense and the fantasy sense and the dynasty sense. And he's just not going to get hit a lot. I mean, he's still only five nine, two hundred pounds. Like he's still a small guy, so it's nice to let him not take that beating and not get those miles put on him. So, I mean, I love what the Lions are doing offensively. It's a stable offense. Ben Johnson stuck in Detroit. Uh, it looks like they got, they're pretty much going to run it back next year with the group of guys that they got. So you're probably going to be looking at almost the exact same kind of production. And I'd feel great about that. Did you did you end last year with Gibbs as number two or number three on your board? Uh, I ended with him as number three on my board. Me too. Okay. Yeah. I was. I wanted to make sure because like you, <laughs> enough time goes by and you're like he was my number two player, wasn't yeah, he? No, yeah. no, he wasn't. So um, another player that will most likely come up later was above him, um, but Gibbs did everything that I think we expected to see from him this year that earns him the number three ranking. I mean, there were legitimate, you know, I won't call them concerns, but there were legitimate questions about the size and the usage and 
like you mentioned, like early in the year, it seemed like that was the track that like he was being put on. And then it causes panic because it's like small player. What's the workload look like? Oh, God, they're not using him. And then, you know, over time, obviously, this is an extremely young player. And so that can't be lost here either. And, you know, as the season progresses, gets more comfortable in the offense, they start to give him more opportunities. And you see what he was doing uh, with, you know, a little bit of additional workload down the stretch. And so I think this is a slam dunk. Like he could have went at two. Absolutely. Like running back, uh, a little bit of added like running back tax to stick him at the number two spot. I opt to go with Puka because of the historic nature of his season. But I think if you're talking dynasty running backs, Gibbs is top five. He's one of the at first the names that you'll mention. He's yeah. up there. Top five at the worst. That's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. All right. Uh, Number four. This this is where it gets a little bit interesting for me. It gets very interesting here. Because now it's like I did the puka thing. Like we did the like, hey, 50 to two. This is crazy thing. And now it's like you got to start thinking about how much do I want to weigh this season versus what I thought pre-draft? And in this case, I'm going to actually go with another player here that is making a pretty significant jump up the board. And I'm going to take Sam Laporta fourth overall, because I think when you have a player that is being discussed at, as number one in their position group already as a rookie. It's it's something that needs to be you know taken seriously, and especially when that's a tight end, because it's not supposed to work like that after one year. And so, to see what Laporta did, I mean, we're staying on the theme of the Lions here, like an up and coming offense that's clearly you know established itself as one of the best in the NFL, a legitimate championship contender for next season. And Laporta was a huge part of that, of bringing this offense into its next gear. And I think moving forward, you know, you can debate all you want of, you know, who's number one, who's tight end one in dynasty. I don't, I don't know if there is a like clear cut answer to that question today, but I think just the fact that Laporta's name is, is in that conversation and definitely worthy of being in that conversation means that he's a, a worthy top four pick in this redraft. Yep, he was my number four slot also. So I am right there with you. I think he is the dynasty tight end one. I think that he kind of – I mean, rookie tight ends don't do this. That is the point of all of this conversation and why this is so surprising and why you know he was ranked – I mean, he's 17 – uh on my board is my tight end two behind Kincaid like tight ends just aren't supposed to do this guess where he was on my board where's that 17 hey look at that look at that we were both so, wrong we we're both wrong we we're both <laughs> only 13 at least spots you had him as tight end two though I I still had Mayer ahead of him so that's another conversation well that's fair I mean he's not Mayer's not much he's at 20 for me so he's not a whole lot lower but I mean it was a great 
rookie tight end season. And that's you, – you expect these guys to take two, three years to develop, which is, you know, why it was – you know, you don't take tight ends high. You don't take tight ends high in the NFL draft. You don't take tight ends high in dynasty rookie drafts. You just kind of – you get – the guy you think is pretty good and you let him sit and you hope that it marinates into something. Maybe you can trade for a guy after his second year if he's disappointing, but Laporto was just good from jump and he dominated like week in and week out. There was a stretch where it's like, Oh my God, (laughs) this guy's unstoppable. He's scoring touchdowns. He's, you know, had this like 140 yard game against new Orleans following you know, 47 yards and a touchdown against the Packers. And then a couple weeks later, he has 84 yards on 11 targets. Like, the guy was uh, a machine. And it was all kind of there. It all made sense. You know, it's only Amon Ra and then, you know, a bunch of guys like Josh Reynolds on that offense. And then you, like, bring in Dave Montgomery and Gibbs for this run game, and then you have Laporta to just, like, vacuum up the rest of those targets. He ends up getting 144 targets. Like, the it was there. And, like, we probably could have seen it coming, but it's still, like, hard to project, like, this good of a season. And so then he makes this jump. Yeah, I and this is – that's a really good point, and I think it's something that, you know, if you – cover you know if if you're ranking for the draft and you're like reflecting on what you did the previous year this is something that's always going to come up it's like how how could we not see this like opportunity talent nfl draft capital like he had all of those things going for him where it's sort of like in hindsight which we know about hindsight it's it seems like a a perfect blend of of circumstances here but when you're when you're in that spot it becomes difficult to say okay we're yeah i could see this i could see this guy this this smaller iowa tight end that kind of was a a late bloomer for us at least in the process like a guy that we kind of fell in love with as the spring went on see that player become the tight end one as a rookie you know it's like it's it's very challenging and it's something that you you think about every year like i go into this year thinking about stuff like this where it's like do i need to be more fluid do i need to be more open to when when this like chemistry is happening do i just like let it react and move a guy like this up my board a little bit higher than maybe i'm even comfortable with or should I stick to my guns and, and, you know, go with what I think of the talent and you're always going to find, you know, players that encapsulate either of those directions. So that's why it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I say like, we should have saw this coming. I no, don't I mean know. I know. Number one tight end, but I mean, yeah. we, we literally like talked about this. I know we said, well, this is kind of the perfect spot for him. Yep. And it ended up being the perfect spot for him. So, yep, a hundred percent. So, he earns this number four spot in this draft. And honestly, a player like this going number four kind of tells you how good this class really was when it all shook out. But uh, we got more interesting questions to answer here, starting with number five. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> is is 
where I'm at. I'm between three different players. And all of them are very different. Um, I could take the safe. I'm just going to go with CJ Stroud here. I'm going to go safe. Uh, I mean, offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. He had an incredible season. He was, I think, better than anybody expected him to be. Um, Let's see. Where did I have him ranked here? As my, I had him as my QB three. He was twenty eighth on my board, which would be a third round dynasty pick. Now this is not super flex, obviously, or else Stroud would have probably been higher. We would have been having a different conversation. But in single quarterback leagues, uh, yeah, had him like a third round pick, top of the third round in your dynasty draft. So obviously. You might want to pick him a little sooner than that because he uh, answered every question that people had about him. He goes number two to the uh, Texans, and then they double dip and come right back for Will Anderson. And it's like, what are the Texans doing? Like, they're going to be bad this year. Why are they trading next year's first round pick to come back into this draft? Like, they're insane. And then they make the wild card round and they win a game and they look like world beaters and they're running the AFC South and this AFC South, man, it's going to be fun. So, uh, and Stroud's a big part of that. He kind of revived Nico Collins. Uh, if, if you had Nico Collins, you're holding on to him. You're pretty happy with what happened this year. And, uh, another guy that we'll talk about probably later on, was also integral to the success of this team. His, uh, I mean, D'Amico Ryan's and company was totally, uh, I mean, it was beautiful to watch this team operate. And Stroud was exactly who he was at Ohio State, and it translated directly to the Texans with what I think are worse weapons. And it was like, how is he going to adapt? And it's just a one-to-one. Like, it was it was pretty great. Yeah, I, I also have Stroud fifth here. Um, and I had him 20th on my board last year. And I think Stroud was sort of this classic case of he's a quarterback that doesn't have rushing upside. And so what do we do with that? Like you end up saying, oh, he's upside capped. You know, like he he's he's not a high ceiling fantasy quarterback. We weren't necessarily projecting him to be this like MVP caliber quarterback immediate, like certainly not immediately, but I think yeah. there were, you know, enough concerns about how he handled pressure and, you know, how much the supporting cast was helping him out, like how much of that was something that he was going to struggle with when he got to the NFL level and kind of prevented him from entering this tier that he entered as a rookie, this tier of quarterbacks that I think is, you know, it depends on who you talk to, but I think there's like this Mahomes Allen Lamar tier and then you're already talking about you know maybe Stroud alongside of guys like Joe Burrow 
and company there. So that's the level that he reached as a rookie. So this, this narrative of, you know, lacks upside, not a high ceiling fantasy quarterback, what we forget. And when I say we, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, but you don't have to have rushing upside. You, you just have to be a damn good quarterback. You have to be a quarterback that can throw for a lot of yards, throw for a lot of touchdowns and not throw many picks. And I think Stroud, you know, based on his film at Ohio State, you could say this is a player that takes care of the ball. Obviously, the like passing mechanics was one of the big things with Shroud. I mean, that was like his combine was just everybody being wowed at how technically sound he was and how accurate he was. And I, that all translated into the NFL. So I think it's, again, on the theme of learning, it's like, if you have enough conviction about a quarterback, run with it, man. Because yep. this is one quarterback. I mean, I'm ranking him end of the second. You're ranking him in the third. He's going fifth overall in a one quarterback redraft. So it it's worth rolling the dice sometimes. And we're finding that, you know, with this upcoming class, now with these players that are on a different tier as prospects where I'm not going to make that mistake with these guys. I'm going to feel very comfortable taking them with a high, high pick uh, within this rookie class in 2024. And it's because of players like Stroud. Yep. And then just talking about like quarterbacks that have limited rushing upside, you look at the top quarterbacks in fantasy last year and the top of the list is like Josh Allen, and then it's Dak, who's a pocket guy. And then it's Jalen Hurts, Lamar. So you got three rushing quarterbacks at the tippy top. And that's what you're chasing. But after that, it's Jordan Love, it's Brock Purdy, it's Jared Goff, it's Mahomes, it's Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud, Tua, Russell Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford. So you chase the you know mountaintop of guys and – if you hit, you hit big. But if you follow the trend of like everybody else in the top 20 quarterbacks, you're looking at guys that are more like CJ Stroud, guys that are going to be slicing and dicing defenses, throwing for a bunch of touchdowns, not a lot of picks, amassing yards through the air. And so maybe that's a lesson learned uh, to not always go after somebody that, you know, is – just because he has rush, rushing upside, he's going to be a guy. And maybe we can take that lesson into the 2024 class. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right. Number six. Curious what you think of this direction that I'm about to go in. Okay. I'm going to take Devon Chan. I like it. I like the direction you're going. Because it like I'm we're obviously leaving out wide receivers here. Like this is we have Puka, <laughs> like the one that is the furthest down the board you can be, and we have this whole group that is still waiting to be called in a redraft environment. And the reason I go A Chan over any of those players is because of well, number one it's what he showed this year. I think 
again in a similar fashion to Gibbs, but like at a to a lesser degree, obviously there were there were significant size question marks with a chan and i think that was something that you you just kind of had to see it to believe it sort of thing and like i still had a chan ranked last year as my number eight player on the board so i wasn't dinging him too hard because i believed in his talent so much like i i i loved a chan through the entire process. But even then, even then there's still that voice in the back of your head that says, man, he is, he's small. Like, what is this really going to look like? And then he, he gets the perfect landing spot, you know, a call back to perfect matches last year. Wasn't even an official perfect match. We were just so excited by it that we snuck it into the show and then it happens. And then you see the results of that. And, um, a player that, dealt with some injuries and maybe you can hold that against him and say, well, there he is. That's your undersized running back. And he's gotten hurt a few times as a rookie, but I'm choosing to say, look what he did as a rookie. Look what his one a did 31 year old Raheem Mostert and think about a Chan evolving into that player in this offense and being a legitimate, you know, fantasy RB one player within this Mike McDaniel Dolphins rushing attack. And I think, you know, if he stays healthy, and this is going to be a very big season to see, can he hold up this year? But I'm rolling the dice, and I'm going to say we're going to see a healthy A-Chan in 2024, and this is going to be one of the top running backs moving forward in Dynasty. So I'm going to take him at six. Yeah, I can't blame you for grabbing him here. Uh, the magic number seven point five yards per carry. Jesus, man. it's just silly that he actually did that. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, it was exactly like what you expect Devon A. Chan to look like. It was literally a highlight almost every time he touched the ball. He's just faster than everybody, and I I had him tenth on my board. He's my RB four, and like it feels too low and i was also it's like the size thing and it is a little bit of like there's a little bit of that there where he's in and out of the lineup throughout the year is that because of the size or not we have no idea like we at the end of the day we're just speculating on that so hn is just like plug and play guy every time he's healthy now. And especially like you said, with a guy Mostert in front of him who has played essentially two full seasons in his entire career. This, this season in 2019 in San Francisco, you think like you either have a guy that is going to be low volume, high upside or uh, just to the moon upside handcuff is basically what you have with A-Chan. And then, like, he's also a pretty young guy. He's only 22 years old right now. He'll be 23 in October. So he won't be 23 until the next NFL season. So 
you got a guy that you can, you know, stash kind of wait on and see what happens, hope he's healthy. And, I mean, 7.5 yards per carry is just bonkers. 203 yards rushing in a game, uh, in a game where they put up 70 against Denver. You remember that? I yeah, it it's was like awesome. A, it's like a fever dream. Yeah, it's just like every, it's three, like it's man. like playing playing Madden on rookie, and it's just like your your players are just faster than the other players. Yeah, and like he every just touched carry, the ball. Every single carry like goes for ten yards, and you got like three sixty yard touchdown runs, and you're like, man, I wish Madden was realistic. Like, <laughs> this is this gets old after a while, and. Yep. Welcome to the early season Miami Dolphins right there. <laughs> All right. Well, Achan comes off the board, and now we find out, Colin, what is in store with number seven. Okay. So I'm going to go with Tank Dell here. Ooh. So – the, this one is interesting because I, I don't know if this is super hot or not, but, like, what he was doing early in his rookie season before he got injured was really good. Like, it, it was kind of a push-pull between, like, is he or Nico the number one wide receiver? I don't care. If they're 1A, 1B with C.J. Stroud paired up, I'm good. And the question about Tank Dell – is his size and he played like inferior competition in college and like what's going on here is he actually good uh, whatever he's he's good and he proved that game in and game out though he got a freak injury is what happened like is it because of his size yeah but should he be down blocking on the goal line absolutely not so it's a fibula injury too so it's a non weight bearing leg injury he'll be fine next year we're good to go uh and i just i want a guy that's paired up with cj stroud that showed promise in his rookie year that i mean is going to be a deep threat he's going to be uh a guy that's going to be getting chunk plays for this team so yeah tank dell i mean he he definitely played to this level as a rookie and i think for me, at looking back, like where was he on the board? I mean, this was a player that we talked about a considerable amount last year, but he comes in at I gotta scroll down even more. He comes in at thirty seventh on my board at the end of last year. And it's because of five eight, one sixty five. I mean, you you just get scared when you see numbers like that. You don't expect a player like this because historically players like this do not show up in big ways. They're not consistent, you know, targets and they're not fantasy relevant in most cases. So you err on the side of history with a guy like Dell, despite what you, you know, despite what you're seeing from him, you, you know, we like what we see, but man, that size was scary. And, Tank Dell ends up kind of being a mold breaker player where I think, you know, we now move forward with this sort of idea that you do not have to be a certain size 
in the NFL to necessarily be successful. I think that prerequisite is falling by the wayside, like right in front of our eyes. I mean, we just talked about a guy like Devon Achan at number six in this draft, an undersized running back, has a great year. Now we're talking about an undersized wide receiver who had a great year as well. So I think the lesson for me in this upcoming draft class, and it's something that we've talked a lot about already, is like, I'm not going to hold size against players. Like, I'm not going to, you know, throw them into oblivion. Like, I got Tank Dell here down in the fourth round because of the size. It's like, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to let the tape speak. And I'm going to let a player tell me what he can do on a football field. And am I going to put up a player that's 165 pounds, you know, in my top five? Like, maybe not. But I'm certainly not going to throw them into the into the fire and say, you can't make it in the NFL because Tank Dell proved that you can. And he ends up being wide receiver two off the board in this redraft. Yep. He was my 27th overall ranked player, my wide receiver 11. Like, 10 wide receivers better than him. That's where we were. So, uh, I also, like, scared of the size. And like I said before, it's like you look at who he was playing at Houston. It's like, what can we take away from this? Like, do we – can we make any definitive conclusions? Or is it like we get this guy that is, you know, twitched up, that had a good day at the Senior Bowl, that's undersized. What's going on here? And turns out he's just a good football player. Here's a fun game. Talk about transparency. Three names. Three names that I had above Tank Dell in my rankings. Tyler Scott, wide receiver. Chicago Bears at 120 yards at most this year. (laughs) Uh, Zach Evans, legend of the program. Yep. Never quit him. Should have, but didn't. But didn't. And then my personal favorite, Tyree Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My my three right above him, Chase Brown, 2024 starter. Hey, look out. Uh, Roshan. Hey, okay player. All right. And then Jalen Hyatt, who I hated as a player but <laughs> felt the need to rank him here because here because I was like, I mean, he won the Blitnikoff. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. How how bad can he really be right you know? i'm crazy i was i i mean i had i had uh i had hyatt all the way up at 26 so uh, well he's at 24 for me because tank dell was at 27 oh see you were you were a i was bit... just higher on dell i get it okay. yeah okay and that was the first one to call him out for his size i was like you can't true. call yourself tank now he legally changed his name i love that yeah no longer nathaniel really yeah End of an era, honestly. Yeah. Nate Dell, no longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I I was hoping you weren't going to do this, honestly, because now I have to make a decision that I yeah, don't want to make. I get it. Um, Number eight. <laughs> it's hard. It's really like, hard. I, but what do you value Is is really where we're at. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. <laughs> that's that's good. That's where I'm at. Um, no, I'm going to do it. I am going to take Jordan Addison. Okay. With the eighth pick. Um, 
I we had this conversation uh, through the season, all grown up. We slowly, you know, it starts to bleed into like what we're seeing versus where we were before the season, and then it got to a point with Addison where we started to say like, if you're offered another wide receiver in this from the top of this draft class, are you going to take them over Addison straight up? And that answer for me became increasingly no, like I'm going to, I want the Addison side. And so that's what I'm going to do because I think 911 yards as a rookie with 10 touchdowns for a player that there were, again, I'm, I'm remembering how small this class was, you know, like there were, there were size concerns. And this was even something that got brought up along the way. It was like, you know, Addison's 175, Tank Dell's 165. Like we're not really talking about them in a similar fashion though. And, and I, I actually, I think Addison was like more close to 170, uh, coming out of the combine. I think he weighed in at like 171. So it was like, why aren't we doing this with, Oh, was it? Yep. Okay. So he's 10 pounds heavier, but we, you know, he's a early first and tank Dell's in the fourth, you know, like what were we doing there? But I think what we saw from Addison this year was really encouraging in terms of, you know, what can this player be? I think the fact that Justin Jefferson wasn't on the field, honest, and, and the production was as solid as it was actually like reinforces it for me because I do think this player still operates better as a number two. And I think when Justin Jefferson comes back next year, you know, assuming he'll get a full season in next year, I think it just opens things up for Addison a little bit more. Now the quarterback situation, what's it going to look like? We don't really know right now. Kirk cousins, you know, a lot of rumors about Kirk departing Minnesota and where does that leave, you know, the Vikings, but I'm going to ignore all that for right now. (laughs) We're still playing dynasty. Like I'm going to trust what I saw from a rookie wide receiver in Jordan Addison that I liked a lot coming out and that showed that he belongs on an NFL field, and I think he's, you know, just going to continue to get better. Yeah, I agree that he'll continue to get better. There's also uh, trade rumors about uh, Justin Jefferson, as they may go into full blow it up mode. And Imagine I don't, that. Yeah, that would be crazy. First of all, and second of all, like, what does this mean? for Jordan Addison's legacy, you know, that kind of thing. So (laughs) that'll be my first thought. Like, what does this do for Jordan Addison? Like, yeah, cool. I don't care that uh, Justin Jefferson's going to Houston for four firsts. Like, what does this mean for – He ran him out of town. That's what it means. He became expendable. Right. Uh, The big question is the the quarterback position, obviously, and the future of it. But like you said – if you can get a discount because like Kirk cousins is leaving and maybe you take a hit on production year one. Okay. But I just, I don't see a situation where he doesn't just improve. Like he's going to get more used to the NFL. He had such like a tumultuous season this year. When you look at who the Vikings were going from cousins, tearing the Achilles to, uh, 
was Nick Mullins a part of this team? Josh Dobbs, Jaron Hall, like it was messy in Minnesota, and he still went for 900 yards and 10 touchdowns, which I believe was tied for the most among all rookie wide receivers. Um, 100 targets as the number two, quote-unquote. He was the number one for most of the year with Justin Jefferson being hurt. So, I mean, I have liked Addison through, like, the entire time. He was my number four player. He was my wide receiver, too. Like, I I just have always believed in this player, still do. I think that he'll be just fine with this team going forward. All right. Also, real quick. Yeah. It's it is weird to look back at how small this wide receiver class Dude. was. Just mostly because we're like we've been so entrenched in this twenty twenty four wide receiver class and like everybody's like six three, two twenty. And like you go back and it's like, God, like Tank Dell is five eight, one sixty five, Jordan Addison's five eleven, one seventy five. Like the only guy with some size is Puka. Maybe it means something. Mm, look out. <laughs> All right, um, number nine. So let's see what happens here. I think you know what's going to happen here. Do I? I'm taking Anthony Richardson. Ooh, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. So I have to. Yep. I, I get can't. It. Like this is my favorite player in this draft class, outside of Puka, and Puka became my favorite last season. I mean. Richardson, clearly, he got hurt uh, twice in his rookie season, both on run plays, both are now it's like, oh, God, is this guy going to have any type of shelf life in the NFL? Uh, Number one, probably, yeah. He'll be a little more careful after this season. Number two, don't care, either way. Like, what he looked like in four games this season just confirmed that he belongs in the NFL, and that's all I needed to see. the The arm looked incredible. He looked like, still looked physically dominant as a person against NFL players, which was like, hey, you don't know. Like he does this again at Florida. He avoids like he has one of the lowest pressure to sack ratios. Like, can he actually do that in the NFL, or is that just a college thing? Here we are. Like, he can do it in the NFL, too. So, uh, I mean, he's going to be a cheat code. Like, he's going to be – if you can get a little injury discount on him in your league, in Superflex especially, like, go just send some feelers out. See how people are feeling about Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, maybe inquire, be like, hey, what do you think? This pick's going to be Drake May. You want to just do a little swap here? Let me get Anthony Richardson. We'll see. So, uh, injury concern, a little bit. Outside of that, I have no more questions. It was awesome to see him immediately translate. I mean, maybe not immediately translate, but I think immediately show you, like, he's going to get there. You know, like, show you what you need to see to say he's going to get there. Uh, This was the 11th player on my board so we're we're you know kind of close here with Richardson uh but remember after that stretch of games 
he was up in like the top five in terms of keep trade yep. cut rookie rankings at that time. And we know, you know, how <laughs> we know how it's quickly, a little reactionary. Yeah. Just a little reactionary, but I think it goes to show like when he was on the field, it looked even better than number nine in this class. Yeah. So I think, you know, assuming, like you said, we can we can stay healthy next year, protect the body. Slide you know. every once in a while. <laughs> right. Just just please, you know, like let us get a full season of, of the Anthony Richardson experience. I'm sure Colts fans are hoping for that. And, you know, as football fans and certainly dynasty players, you talk about those rushing quarterbacks in the top five of fantasy quarterbacks this year. Well, this he might was, just be the next one. He was high. And I don't know. I don't remember exactly where he was in terms of like points per game or like ranking after four weeks, but he was near the the top of like fantasy quarterbacks. And that's the guy that you drafted maybe, you know, number two in super flex, you know, seven, eight in your one quarterback leagues. I had him uh, eighth overall in my rankings. It's like, this is, you got the guy that you expected and don't like, you can be worried about the the injury stuff, but don't be like scared off. I wouldn't say. I think you yeah. you got exactly what you asked for. Yep. And he's throwing the ball already. I had a schedule. Nice. Hell yeah, man. AFC South, baby. Yep. God, it's gonna be fun. If only the Titans could figure it out. <sighs> yeah, maybe maybe maybe, Levis. maybe maybe I'm gonna pick Levis right now. <laughs> um. Number 10, I am just going to do it. Okay. This is the player that I was thinking you were going to pick. I forgot Richardson was still on the board. I should have known better that you would snatch him up. I'm taking Jackson. Um, this is that point in the draft where we have to start saying it's been one year. And honestly, like I've been thinking about taking Jackson since like number eight, like I, I was going to take him over Addison and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to respect the season that Addison had. And I understand that there are other wide receivers here that also had good seasons. And, you know, one of which actually on a yardage basis had a slightly better season than Jordan Addison. But like I said, we're talking, you know, the talent, the pre-draft analysis fusing with what did we see this year. Jackson is the player where this was the number two player on my board. And I think what we saw this year was not something that really caught anybody by surprise or it shouldn't have caught anybody, anybody by surprise because we knew that he was behind these two players. We knew that he was behind DK and Tyler Lockett. His comments that we talked about last <laughs> week, you know, shed some light into how he felt about that situation. But the reality is when you have two star receivers like that, the ball's going to go their way. It doesn't matter that you were taken 20th overall. In fact, the fact that he was taken 20th overall and not eighth should tell you like they're going to kind of 
get him in there slowly. Like they have these really good wide receivers ahead of them. They're going to operate with them. And I think this year, year two is where we start to see a little bit more of that transfer of power. I think as you know, Lockett now a year older, I don't even know what the contract looks like these days, or if there's questions about that heading into 2024. But I think regardless, you're going to see a little bit of that transfer of, of target share with Jackson because he looked good on the field. I mean, I, I won't say that he looked phenomenal. I don't think he looked like good enough to say, you know, he needs to be on the field. He needs to be getting more targets. I don't, I don't think it was at that level, but I don't think it needed to be because he was a 21 year old playing behind these two star players now coming into this year, year under his belt, I I expect big things. And I think the fact that we're picking him here at number 10 is indicative of the sort of value that ja- that Jackson Smith and Jigba represents going into 2024. I think you can have somebody that really likes this player that might be sitting there like we are right now as two people that really like this player and are discounting him a little bit based off of that production. So this is one of my buy my buys heading into 2024. If you can get Jackson, like now is the time because you can see it right here. He's going number 10 in a redraft. I don't think that is indicative of his level of talent. Yeah, I had him number two overall. And now, like you said, we're sitting here at 10. And I think it does have a lot to do with his usage. And that has a lot to do with his comments about Shane Waldron. Uh And like you said, we kind of expected that. We expected him to be behind these guys. And uh, Lockett, his contract, like they can get out of it now. I don't know if there's any desire for them to. um, But his guaranteed money only goes up through last year. So if they wanted to, they could. Um, you, You look at JSN's ADOT for this year. And that's the the big number, the average depth of target. And it's at 6.4 for the season. Now, that's an okay number for a slot receiver. But you look at some of the games that he had, like that 6.4 is buoyed by a few, like a 19.8 ADOT game that he had. And that is a huge outlier. Like you look at most of these and you're looking at, zero point something for a lot of the season and I think that's what he's saying like I I'm not some gadget receiver that should be like running lateral to the line of scrimmage running behind the line of scrimmage and you know getting these screen passes like this guy should be used as a the a slot weapon that can be moved all over the field, and there just wasn't room for that in the Seattle offense this year. We knew that was going to happen, and we still have him at number 10, and that has a lot to do with just how good this class is. Like, this isn't a huge indictment on JSN, I wouldn't say, but the guys above him were either, you know, 
just outperformed him last season, but also looked incredible last season, like Puka breaking records. And Addison being as advertised and being in maybe a healthier situation where he already proved he can put up 911 yards on a team that was in flux and it probably won't get as bad as that and then you got like you know Bijan Gibbs Sam Laporta one like dynasty tight end one potentially like this is a, not something to say like JSN bad player don't touch him with 10 foot pole no we're we're gonna be all right and JSN people probably hold on just be patient and see what happens yeah I I also do think there is an element of potentially rust. Like, do you think yeah. that plays a part in this? Because you didn't play football in 2022. Like, in reality, he didn't play football. And I think there are some numbers that you can look at and say, this didn't feel very JSN-esque. Like, yep. uh, three for 12, three of 12 on contested targets. This was a player that was killer across the middle in those contested situations at Ohio state. He was 2021. He was seven for seven this year. You know, like I said, three of 12 in 2020, 2022, 2021, 2021. He was his last full season. Oh, nine for 10, nine for 10. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. 90%. It's insane. Yeah. So I mean, he was like, he made a killing in that area you know, in college, it was one of the things that made you say like, okay, he's going to do the slot receiver stuff over the middle. It's not going to be a problem. He's got hands, you know, for, and then you can also just look at his straight up like drop rate. Also. I mean, he had eight drops this year as a rookie. That's 11%. Compare that to, you know, uh, 2021, he had six. So it's just, it looked a little different than what we thought we were going to see with JSN. And I really do think that one more year under his belt is going to, is going to help him a lot. Yeah. And then the, the usage, when you talk about his last full season at Ohio state, 2021, 9.3 a dot. Like he is getting the ball consistently nine yards past line scrimmage. And then the thing that was really, we talked a lot about yards per route run when we were talking about the 2023 class and he was getting almost four yards per route run when he in college. And that number dropped pretty significantly to 1.32 with the Seahawks, which is not good. So that's a little bit of uh, something to maybe be concerned about. Uh, but I, like you said, I mean, let's hold off before we make any like big sweeping judgments and saying like, this player is not very good because I think it's just a product of him being the number three receiver in a pretty solid offense behind two good proven guys. And we just got to give him a little bit of time. I go try to buy JSN right after this podcast is done. I, I might kind of get in a bidding my, war with you. Talk myself into it a little bit. All right. Uh, we got two picks left in this redraft and we got some really talented players still on the board. So who is, up at number 11 for she rice there he is uh man super bowl champion rishi rice a guy that we might have i don't know if we gave up on him but we we soured on him i would say 
a little bit late last draft season. Uh, I ended up with him at 19, which is right in the middle of the second round. He was my wide receiver eight. Um, and he was kind of different than I expected him to be in the NFL because we talked about him as a boundary winner, as a guy that can win down the field, that can run like some big boy routes, but maybe has some drop problems. And in this Kansas City offense, he just became like a rat guy. He he became a crossing routes player that was reliable over the middle of the field that can make people miss after the catch. And it just fit the role perfectly. And you could see little bits of that at SMU where he wasn't really used that way, but it was like when they would get the ball in his hands, he could make things happen. And again, you, you think about it and it's like, Oh, we should have saw this coming. Like th- this makes a lot of sense, but you, you look at like what he did at a SMU in 2022 and it's like okay like there's a lot of questions here but then you go to kansas city and it's like okay do you is the kansas city bump even a thing is kind of where i was at like sky Moore, Kadarius tony there were a lot of questions about like if you're not tyreek hill are you just like a kind of a wide receiver too on this offense are you just behind Travis Kelsey, a part of the amalgamation of wide receivers that they have? And Rasheed Rice, including the playoffs, had 1,200 receiving yards and eight receiving touchdowns. Like, no, he was their wide receiver one. And it didn't look like that maybe through the first five weeks. But after that, he was pretty consistently like putting up good numbers. And I think that he'll just continue to grow into that role. And I think it has to do a little bit with Sky Moore being number twenty-four. <laughs> if he just changed his number, he would. There's a, a clearer path to success. He didn't do it. Rasheed came in, cool number, number four, and here we go. That's all it took. Man, I I this one hurts a lot. It hurts a lot because I had Rasheed. Oh, this one hurts to even say it out loud. I had Rashia twenty seventh at the end of last year. I I had moved him down considerably through the process because I think that the tape was good, not great, in my opinion, and the Senior Bowl was not great for him. It was not a necessarily great showing for him. And so there were questions about his separation ability. And that was such a scary thought with a player, you know, coming from SMU and going into an offense, like you said, where we're kind of fatigued by the Chiefs, you know, situation. Like it, it, it had been such a thing, like you said. And then it, it got to the point where it was like, man, it's just not happening. Like we got to stop saying that this is the boost. Like it's not a boost. It's We've seen this not work several years now. And I think that was just a perfect storm for me to be way too low on this player guy that we talked about a lot through the season. I mean, a phenomenal, phenomenal season at SMU you know, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. And it was in that role as the outside player, you know, going up, contested catches. He looked like that vertical ball winner sort of player. And that's another reason why it was so hard to see this 
season coming because they didn't use him like that at all. They saw a player that they they had a vision for, and the vision was not the player that he was at SMU. And that is, first and foremost, an awesome job by yeah. Andy Reid and the coaching staff to like identify skills in this player that they knew they could utilize in this offense that weren't necessarily showing up, you know, in his game. Like he had to learn new things. I mean, you talk just purely his yards after the catch numbers. I mean, SMU, he was averaging 6.2 yards after the catch per reception this year, Kansas city, 8.3. I mean, he was a completely different player running after the catch, you know, this year. And it, it had a lot to do with how they were utilizing him. And he got a lot better like you said, as the season went on, you started to see that growth where now, you know, what should we expect heading into year two? I, I think the the expectations could be pretty considerably high for a player like this who matured into this number one wide receiver target in this offense where could be huge, huge, you know, numbers in store for Rasheed Rice in Kansas City. So getting him here, at 11, again, feels like a bit of a discount. It's by nature of this class and how talented it is and how many ways there are to look at this. And this was one of the most productive players uh, as a rookie and, you know, well-deserved first-round pick in this redraft. Maybe even uh, some could argue even too low at number 11. Right. Another big player. There, yeah, We don't see? have very many of them. And he's uh six one two oh four. Why didn't that work for Cedric Tillman? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Cause he had a rapist quarterback that's bad at football. <laughs> that's true. Hey, year two. Look out. Maybe Look I'm out. picking him right now. <laughs> it almost worked on me with Will Levis. Yeah. Maybe it'll work this time. <laughs> <laughs> um um oh, see this is this is actually really hard now. Yeah. This one, want, you could go in a lot of directions. Last year, I also had pick 12, and I remember it vividly because I took Alec Pierce, and then I felt very bad that I took Alec Pierce as a first-rounder in a redraft. <laughs> so you didn't I, have there's to, a lot I, You didn't have this. to remind me of that. I forgot. that. What, I totally. <laughs> transparency, man. I wouldn't have remembered if you didn't tell me. <laughs> Well, I, I, this is my redemption arc right now. This is it's been one year. I yeah. get to redeem myself with this pick. I cannot screw it up. Just say Dontavian Wicks. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Oh God, am I really gonna screw it up again? <laughs> I just believe so much. I believe so much, and I just want to do it. I'm picking Josh Downs. Oh, okay. I the Colts wide receivers, man. I, There's something okay, about him. For a minute, I thought you were gonna say Quentin Johnston. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I when you're like, I believe so much. I was like, no, we can't. We cannot. No. I won't. Like, I'll veto the pick. We can't do this. Okay. No, I. I'm going to take Josh Downs there. And I will admit like there's a lot of ways you could go here. There's certainly some players that you could say had a better rookie year 
than Josh Downs. But I think Downs is the guy that we thought he was. And I think like I had him number 14 when we ended last year. And like that felt high. And I know you had him very high as well. Yeah. You I had, had him at, at nine. At nine. Yeah. You yeah. had him as a first rounder. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we stayed high on Josh Downs, despite the third round capital and, you know, being in this kind of weird situation in Indianapolis with Michael Pittman and, you know, first round pick Alec Pierce in the room already. But I think Josh Downs this year showed that he is that player. Like he had a phenomenal rookie season, all things considered. Anthony Richardson goes down. Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. It's not an ideal environment for for a rookie wide receiver, you know, that's operating as a number two, number three ish in yeah, the like offense. Two, a two B kind of thing. Yeah, I think he became the number two over yeah. the course of the year, but it's something that he had to earn. And you know, modest production. It's good production, but like all things considered, 771 yards, two touchdowns. Like it's nothing that's shocking the world, but I think you saw signs from Downs this year that said, man, this is going to be a good player. And it's a player that's just going to get better. I think he walks in this year as the no question number two in this offense. Anthony Richardson comes back hopefully you know elevates this passing game (laughs) i mean over a guy like gardner Minshew. i mean i know we're still working on stuff with richardson but like he's the goal here is he's gonna ascend and become this guy and there's also questions about michael Pittman. you know will they retain him i think they will but like that's a question right now josh downs though i think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful and this is another one of those buys for me and and maybe even more than the others where you might have somebody sitting on a player that didn't really put up like gaudy fantasy production and they're kind of like yeah i don't really i don't really know what this is long term i'll 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 take something for them you know i this is a player that i think is is ripe for the taking and one that's just going to keep getting better and i still believe and I'm picking him here at the end of this redraft first round. Okay. I love Josh Downs, and I, I've always loved Josh Downs. I would take Zay Flowers here. I just want to put that on record. Oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I can I can I erase everything I yeah, just said. <laughs> we'll just we'll just say pretend that Josh Downs there was an honorable mention. First one that was out. A great honorable mention. Yeah. Uh but I'll I'll talk about Josh Downs real quick. Because uh, yeah. we'll we'll go we'll go Zay Flowers at twelve. Yes. We'll Thank amend you. that. Thank uh, you. Uh but Josh Downs agree is uh gonna be a fantastic number two wide receiver on the Colts. Uh, hopefully, like you said, I'm a little worried about the, the passing attempt numbers being a little bit low with, uh, Anthony Richardson led offense, because that's kind of what you see with guys that are such threats running the ball is that they, I mean, their number two read might just be, I'm going to get a couple yards on the ground. So 
that would be my concern with uh, this Colts offense. But I I think Downs has some un, untapped potential that he showed a little bit of this year where it's like he had a 125-yard game against Cleveland and it's like to follow it up with 72 yards against New Orleans. And there was a moment there where it's like, oh, are we seeing a little bit of a Josh Downs breakout? And that – came alongside Gardner Minshew coming in and those pass attempt numbers going up and Josh Downs becoming the, uh, you know, the, the check down basically for Minshew being instead of I'm going to tuck the ball and run, I'm going to dump it to Josh Downs, let him get a couple yards. So I, I like Josh Downs a lot as a player, but let's talk as a flowers. Yeah, please, God. I, man, I, I was like looking at the end of my list because I'm like, we're at the end. Like, who am I picking from here? And then I realized I have Zay Flowers a little bit higher. Uh, yeah, I, Zay Flowers. Yes. This was my number five player in this class. And honestly, he didn't really do anything to like, unearn that spot i mean like he had a good year i when you think about how scared some people were of the ravens landing spot i think like 858 yards five touchdowns is really good all things considered for a rookie season for this player i think he showed you know a lot of flash as a player that should take hold of the number one, you know, role in this offense. I mean, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is older, maybe a free agent. Is he? I can find out while you talk. I, th- I think he might be, but. I, I'm assuming yes. And uh, Rashad Bateman just not taking that step forward. I think we're officially at the point now where we just have to just <laughs> accept it. Like I was one of the people who was buying Bateman coming into this last yep. year and it just didn't work out. So um, I think flowers has the path to be the number one receiver in this offense. I think he showed a lot this year. I think, you know, the drops were not a huge issue, but certainly something that was a part of his game. And it, and it was a part of his game in college as well. I mean, it wasn't necessarily surprising that this was a player that had seven drops this year, but I don't think it was anything that was, you know, like getting him off the field. I think, um, you know, he ends the year week 17 with a really good 106 yard, one touchdown performance against the dolphins, something to build on going into next season. And I think we see some growth out of flowers. So yes, my number five player from last year who had a good year is in fact going to be a first round (laughs) pick in this redraft. Yeah, uh, Flowers, you, you, in his last game, he did fumble the season away. I think oh, that's, that. Oh, didn't he? Yeah, that's I right. Think, the playoff game. <laughs> un, unfortunately, I, I think that has to be mentioned when you talk about Zay Flower. Put that aside, including playoffs, he had a thousand fourteen yards. He had, I mean, in that game, he had one hundred fifteen yards receiving on five catches and a touchdown, like. He was not the reason they lost that game, but it's just unfortunate that that's what it came down to, and it's like a rookie mistake reaching over the goal line in 
a situation where it's like, ah, you could be down at the half yard line and just QB sneak it in. And then you end up losing the ball and unfortunately end up losing the game. But that being said, Zay Flowers, just a, a great season. Um, surprising to me that he didn't break 100 yards outside of week 17 in that Miami game. But gosh, he's so good after the catch. He he showed it at Boston College, and he was playing with just an awful quarterback at Boston College. And then he gets in here with Lamar, and it's like, hey, he's getting thrown catchable balls over the middle of the field and then gets to make things happen. And he's going – I wish they would have used him as a deep threat more often. That's one thing that I'm like, why is this not a thing? Because that was his kind of M.O. at – boston college was he was a deep threat that could do stuff after the catch and then it was kind of flip-flopped in baltimore a guy that can get the ball in his hands and do some things uh and then kind of get used as a deep threat sporadically uh especially in that miami game he had a 20 a dot so that that was like hey we're getting the ball in this guy's hands down the field we're gonna let him I mean he's such a good route runner like let him beat his guy one-on-one and then get the ball in the air and let him make a play so uh say flowers getting him at a discount here like I, I'm gonna keep saying it like this class is very good this wide receiver class is very deep and uh if you're getting say flowers that you know maybe make some inquiries yeah, this is a pretty incredible stat. The top five receivers, not wide receivers, but top five receiving players, rookies from this last class. This year, four of the top five are running backs because that's what running backs do. Zay Flowers is the one wide receiver that is in the top five, and he is number two. <laughs> He, he forced 19 missed tackles That's insane. this year. The next closest receiver forced 12. That was Demario Douglas. Hey. Um, but the other four in the top five are all running backs. So that's the kind of talent that he has, you know, in with the ball in his hands. So it's a damn good player, man. A stat that may surprise people is that he played only 31% of his snaps in the slot this season like he was on the boundary pretty frequently i i don't know if i love that but it's something like it's it's like this player can play on the outside in the nfl is what it tells you and have a good season i was just looking who the who was playing in the slot for baltimore i it's a great question i have no idea right now nelson aguilar Oh, they just resigned him. So it seems like Zay Flower is going to be outside a little more. Odell is also a free agent. He signed a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal, thirteen point eight guaranteed. What the hell? Highway robbery. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. All right. Well, we already did one lengthy honorable mention, but Josh <laughs> Downs deserves it. Um, other names that missed the cut. Who were your like top two? that you want to mention um so i have will anderson for the idp folks out there yep um and then i have i mean there's a lot of names here but i'll go with Jaden reed Mm -hmm. who was uh you know a 
wide receiver 1B, 2A. I mean, it's really hard to say in the Packers offense, and that's kind of the questions that I have with Jaden Reed. It's like, what exactly is the role? Like, is this kind of who he is? And, like, that's great if it is because he had – including playoffs, 828 yards through the air, eight touchdowns. He was used on the ground. Like, it's it's good, but is it uh, a guy that you can plug and play and, like, trust on a week-to-week basis? I don't know. So um, if he takes on more of a role and a higher target share, that kind of stuff, then you start to have a little bit of a different conversation about his ceiling. Yeah, I those are the two names – that I was thinking as well, like next guy's out. Will Anderson definitely could have snuck in here. I mean, he he had a great year, uh, obviously NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, Dalton Kincaid, I feel like, deserves a shout-out here. I think he gets a little bit, like, because Sam Laporta is who he is, I think yep. – Kincaid season ends up looking like a disappointment maybe but I think he had a really really good rookie tight end year like it was like I think he was 10th all time in uh catches that's maybe. not good yeah like like 73 receptions 663 yards two touchdowns like all things considered for a rookie tight end that's really good so um a lot of momentum for Dalton Kincaid in this class. So he is worth a shout out. And then, you know, I got to do it, man. Uh, Ivan Pace Jr. The name, you know, maybe he's not a first rounder, but, but he deserves a shout out here in this next tier. I think a player that when you look at IDPs moving forward from this class, there was a lot of question marks in terms of the top names here. You know, we're still not, you know, Jack Campbell, that's still a thing. We expect him to get better. There's some other guys here that you can expect maybe take a jump in year two, but Ivan Pace already did it. And I think he's in for even more in year two as he fully, you know, grabs hold of that starting linebacker role that he was sort of splitting time with Jordan Hicks this year. And then when Hicks was out, you saw the impact that Ivan Pace is making. So I think he's worthy of a top 15 ish ish sort of shout out from this 2023 group so those are the guys man um really quickly players that we didn't mention yes that are like guys that a year ago you would have said (laughs) there's no way right yeah uh i'll i'll start quinn johnston yep uh, he was my number five overall player. Obviously, we kind of if you're you're involved at all in the dynasty space, you kind of you know what's going on with Johnson. He had a, a bad rookie year. He had all the opportunity in the world. We kind of expected a year one lull with Johnson because he was a little raw, needed some work around the edges. Didn't expect it to be that bad. Sorry. What do you what do you have on on Johnson? Anything or just a disappointed look and shaking? Your I'm head? just I'm just shaking my head <laughs> and staring. No, it's it's like the the JSN year. That's like the expected. Yeah. Like this isn't going to be his best stuff. Like don't worry about it. That's what we're talking about. The Johnston year is like that's not 
what we were expecting. That's not a like wait and see stat line and you know what he looked like. It, that was like a oh my god, <laughs> like this is terrifying now. So I think he's already become a bit of a meme in the dynasty community. Like I've said before, I'm still rooting for a player who was very raw that still has an opportunity to develop new scheme coming in. We'll see if that can help him potentially, but uh, yeah, obviously that is the big omission. He was the number six player on my board. Next up, we got Zach Charbonnet. So he was number seven on my board, which was RB3 behind Bijan and Gibbs. Uh, I mean, he just was basically a non-factor in terms of fantasy. Like, he was a nice kind of one-two punch with Ken Walker, but it amassed to 462 total yards on the ground, uh, one touchdown, 276, sorry, 209 yards through the air. So... It just was not a very inspiring rookie campaign. Uh, there was a, a four-game stretch, three-game stretch that Ken Walker was injured where he was taking on a lot of the load. And, again, it was like three-ish yards per carry. It just wasn't the Zach Charbonnet we expected to see. This one hurts. I mean, it was it was the worst case scenario that we thought it was going to be when he was drafted in the spot. I mean, it kind of sucks the life out of the sales, but you don't want to, you know, I mean, th- this was a player we were talking about like top four before the landing spot. And so it's like, I also have him at seven. It's like you drop him as far as you can, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, I still believe in this talent so much. And Unfortunately, it was just the nightmare scenario. So I am very worried long-term in terms of what this means for Charbonnet. I really do think that it's just, it was an NFL, it was an NFL pick. You know, this is the nature of the beast. Like they're not concerned with fantasy numbers. (laughs) They're trying to win football games. So they, they picked a player that they thought could help them do that form a nice little 1A, 1B backfield. And unfortunately for us, it's not going to be a great thing Look, you know, moving forward with Charbonnet. So that's why he gets left out of this first round. Uh, next up, I got John Mingo on the Carolina Panthers. Um, this was disappointing because, like, there was some opportunity here. We were talking about perfect matches Last week, we talked about Troy Franklin potentially being a perfect match for the Panthers because they don't have any real receiving threats. Now, uh, Jonathan Mingo was taken in the second round, pick 39, by the Panthers just last year. And just about every advanced metric, including watching the games, says Jonathan Mingo was not a very good player last year. Um, It's separation. It's hands uh i mean the one play that just sticks in my mind where it kind of sums it up is like he was getting a catch near the sideline and he did the thing to like get his feet in bounds but both his feet were like two feet out of bounds and he did it like in the wrong direction it's like oh man this is this is where we are so uh disappointing he was my 14th player overall 
Yeah, I had him number 12. Saw him as a first rounder. Want that one back. Um, something to be said, I think. And it's it's affecting me this year also. But there's something to be said about wide receivers that require significant projection. Like, w- when you are a player like Mingo, who was utilized in the ways that he was at Ole Miss, and you have to say to yourself, man, I really like this athlete. I really like, you know, the shell of Mingo, and I like what that can turn into. It's a scary thing because, I mean, you could say the same thing about Quentin Johnston. And so two players were talking about here at the end of, you know, didn't make the cut, scared of the future, are players that you had to really project them based on what you saw in college. And that's that's scary. So projectable receivers, I mean, it's fun to dream, but sometimes you got to remember, like, it's a really hard position to play, and it's about to get a lot harder for these guys when they get to the next level. And it's a, a position that has so much – there's so much talent at wide receiver. And we see it in this 2023 class. I mean – there's a lot of wide receivers that got left off of this top 12. We see it in this 2024 draft where it is just like 20 deep that we've watched. It's like, God, these guys are still good. Like when do we start seeing the guys that are not that good? And it'll be hard for these guys to like grind it out and become the number one wide receiver. They're just going to get replaced by the next crop of guys. And I don't, I'm not saying like Mingo doesn't have a chance anymore, but it, became a whole lot harder after the first season that he had. Yep. Exactly. Uh, anybody else that you got uh, that's – I mean, Tank Bigsby, I guess, is my next one. But you, you can tell me who you got next. Yeah. Uh, I guess the one name I'll just shout out really quickly is Kendra Miller. Um, okay. b- because right. this was my number 13 player in the class. And I think he – Me too. It, he, he's a player that has – fallen dramatically in terms of value but i don't necessarily think it was like i i don't think what we saw this year was anything that should have made anybody say man this is not the player like yeah he just didn't have those opportunities he was hurt most of the season and then in the last game of the year when he got to play he actually looked pretty good so i think this is a player where it's very tbd but kind of trending to the like i'm i'm pretty interested to see what your two holds versus some of these other names we're talking about that is kind of like uh i don't know maybe this uh window is is closing quicker than we wanted it to yeah i'm not too worried about kendra um he is another one of these like very very young players he He's, was like the youngest back in the, in yeah. the class last he'll year. He'll be turning 22 in November. Yeah. So he's a young guy. And there there are questions because of how the Saints continue to launder money. <laughs> they might be moving off of Kamara sooner rather than later. Whether that's this year or not, who knows. But, like, opportunity will come for Kendra. And if you expected him to be, like, a real guy this year – once they signed Jamal Williams, we should have kind of known that he wasn't going to be because they still have Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. So once he 
it, it, you know, if Kamara leaves and he becomes part of this offense, I can guarantee that he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to catch passes in this offense. And if in 2024 he is, like, if Kamara ends up getting moved, he could very well be in line for a ton of targets because Derek Carr, if we know one thing, it's that he wants his completion percentage to be like 75 plus. <laughs> and the best way to do that is to just throw it to your running back and let him, you know, third and 12, throw it to your check down and, you know, have some fraudulent numbers. Right. Why not? That's, right. that's how he gets the contract. That's what I did back in the day. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that is a, a bit of a final chapter for 2023. It's a longer episode, but it, this was really our, our last opportunity to spend a considerable amount of time talking about the 2023 players. I mean, can I say Dontavian Wicks's name as yeah. like a serious thing? Like, Absolutely. I think he's a real player. I, I don't and think there's any reason to think that he's not. It's hard because I'm a Packer fan to like know how much of it is Homer and how much of it is like, hey, this guy has wicked releases and is making people look funny at the top of routes. So I just I just want to put his name out there because he was not on my board and would be, you know, in talks right around now in like the second round of a redraft. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of good players. I, I mean, we we lauded this class for its depth last year, and it, it's showing that, again, in a redraft situation where there's just more and more names you could sit here and throw out from this class that are – Just guys naming dudes. Yeah, guys naming dudes. Michael Wilson, look out. Hey. Uh, but so th- – th- 2023 all things considered pretty good class i mean obviously there's going to be some guys that didn't live up and that's a part of this it's a not perfect science and it's going to happen but i think more often than not we saw guys that were showing promise that were showing you like signs for the future that you can be confident about and in some cases guys that vaulted themselves all the way to the top of this class that look like building blocks and cornerstones for the future for teams that took them. So um, really, really fun group and, and a group of players that I look forward to continuing to watch their development, obviously in the NFL, Colin, but for our purposes, this really is the end. We have to let them go forever. We're, we're, there's they're in no the real more world talking now. about them. Yeah. yeah. They're in the real world now and they're going to be going into year two here uh, our 2024 class of guys is going to, you know, have teams soon. They're going to have yep. numbers next to their name regarding their athleticism because of the combine. And then eventually, I mean, end of April, which is fast approaching, is going to be draft time. And then we'll have dynasty drafts, and then we'll do this all again, all again for 2025. That was like a nice little, like, synopsis of time. Like, that's just like, like, we're going to be, we're going to be here with the 2024 guys soon. Cause time yeah. just doesn't end and it, it just goes it on just, forever. And it's, it's know. an aggressive, continuous loop that never uh, stop ends. it. I'm spiraling. Knock it <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the combine, that's what's up next because it's already happening. 
in less than two weeks from now, which means that next week we will preview the NFL Combine. I am still working out what that is going to look like, if it will be like we did last year or maybe a little bit of a change. But in some fashion, we will be talking about the NFL Combine next week ahead of the event, Colin, in which Camp Dynasty will officially have boots on the ground in Indianapolis. Hell yeah. We did not get to the Senior Bowl, but I will be in Indianapolis. You will be in Indianapolis, which is exciting. So I'll be FaceTiming you. Yes. There'll be lots of video. I'm going to try to take some video, maybe make like a vlog out of it. I'm going to go back to like 2008 and do some vlogging, but... Uh, we'll your, see what happens. Logan Paul era. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's what's coming up for us uh, next week. Like I said, we'll preview it all. But um, if you enjoyed the 2023 redraft, be sure to find us on Twitter. Formerly, or no, X, formerly known as Twitter. I, I don't even want to call it X anymore. It's just Twitter. Just find yeah. us on Twitter. You know what it is. You know what it means. Camp underscore dynasty. The URL is still twitter.com. Right. So if you go if you go on like and search it on the like Google, it'll come up as Twitter. Yeah. So Elon can't even pay for a URL. He's no. a fucking never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Instagram at camp.dynasty. TikTok at camp.dynasty. Threads, check us out. We're posting on there every week too. Uh, we're having original content everywhere. Go check us out. Like, share, repost, retweet, subscribe, all of the things. All of the things. And get in Dynasty. touch with us. If you know, let us know what you thought of the redraft. What picks you would change? Which names we left out? Which I names can't believe you left off. I can't believe you guys are still that high on JSN. He sucks. You know, let yeah. us know. I'm I'm all ears. Take so. lock. Uh, yeah. Trey Palmer. So, what are we talking about? He woke up mad. Oh, man. He, he woke, woke up, up pissed, pissed the fuck off. Here's this one, man. He's, <laughs> uh, so, and of course, like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, and share the pod feed, which is still bread and butter here at Camp Dynasty. But I'm learning that YouTube is really the people's platform. So I've, so I've seen other podcasts like faces, leaning apparently. into the YouTube, but like over the pod feed. I think it's just something that's happening. So hey, I'm fine we're happy it. to be there. Yeah, wherever you want to watch, listen, right, we're all for it. Exactly. If you're going to watch on YouTube, though, you might as well subscribe. Might as well subscribe. Might as well like it. Yeah. Throw a comment down there. You know, just do all those things. Whatever. Sure, why not? Sure. If you, if you feel like it, yeah, whatever. All right. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>